What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Matthew West Podcast. I'm your host, Matthew West, and as always, I really hope you like it. Thank you for joining me. I said that very fast because, uh, hey, we got a lot to get to today. I'm super excited for today's show. Before we dive into today's conversation, I want to make sure that you know about the Don't Stop Praying Spring Tour taking off in February. Uh, we're doing 16 shows with a very special guest, Cochran & Co., it's going to be awesome. You can go to MatthewWest.com to get your tickets for that. Also, a brand new song, Don't Stop Praying, is available now wherever you listen to music. Go check it out. I'm also getting very excited because I've just completed my brand new book, My Story, Your Glory, a 30-day devotional. I can't wait to uh, get this in your hands. And uh, So be sure to go to MatthewWest.com, get all the information for all of those things, and I hope to see you on the road. Uh, this spring. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be a powerful night of worship every single night. And um, man, I'm super excited about today's conversation. I started listening to this guy's music. Um, he's not on the radio. Uh, it's just he's in his own lane. And I was going to say he's in his own little world, but he's in his own lane. He's carving a different path for uh, faith-based music and just incredibly brilliant lyrics and uh, just honest and unique and fresh and they spoke to me and so I wanted to have this guy on my podcast and I'm very excited to talk about his music his process his why and I think you're gonna really love this if you haven't heard his music before I can't encourage you enough to go check it out let's go to the story house with singer-songwriter recording artist Chris Renzema Chris Renzema do I get extra points for, did I pronounce your last name correctly? You actually did, which is impressive. That's that's a select few people that get it right on the first time. Tell me some of the um, mispronunciations that you've heard. Um, man, it's usually just, uh, I feel like it's a very like easily dyslexic name. So people just kind of move oh, like around. Or like that's the big thing. Okay, so it's not like Renz, like the long e, like Renzema, or the wrong emphasis. I do get a lot of that. Yeah, but probably the worst is like Renesma. <laughs> just they see the Z and they stop trying at that point. It's like okay, Renesma sounds uh, like uh, you know. Ask your doctor if Renesma is right for you. <laughs> yeah, honestly, it's either a drug or a, a thing that you need a drug for. Yeah. So. Well, um, I, I'm so glad to meet you, man. Even if it's uh, virtually, we're uh, we've been locked in from some Nashville snow days, and uh, you're Nashville based now. Has your neighborhood been hit hard with with some massive snow and ice? Yeah, I'm uh, I'm in like the East Nashville area, and it's um, yeah, been pretty much iced and snowed in for a week, so. Did it ruin plans, or was it a good interruption to uh, to plans that you had? Um, it was a bit of both. Mm -hmm. I think uh, plans that were easy to move, so nice. it was all right. 
You are originally from where? Uh, I grew up in Grand Rapids, Michigan. Okay. So when Nashville freaks out over a snowstorm, you laugh and mock them the way that I do being from Chicago. Is that what you do? Yeah, yeah. Although I I was telling a friend, like, I, I think I have a little bit of misplaced confidence in my snow driving ability. Really? being from up north, like, yeah, we drive in snow, but also, like, we prepare for snow. Yeah. So, like, I'm really good at driving when snow's on the curbs. Yes. Super. Yeah. Super familiar. With yeah. That. But, like, my street has been just, like, an ice rink for like five days yeah i have a corolla so <laughs> me versus that is not a good good situation yeah the corolla is not really uh decked out with the snow tires and you know it's this they never have enough salt in you know like they do in chicago and michigan it's just oh, yeah, like yeah. they're ready you're exactly right we do get a false confidence um one of my daughter's friends was over uh the other day and or actually just yesterday and she said she saw chris stapleton country singer Mm -hmm. uh thinking he could drive his like i guess he had this i guess they're like (laughs) neighbors or something and he has this wagoneer that's like this epic like refurbished awesome car and she witnessed him uh smashing his own mailbox (laughs) Just thinking he could drive and get out of his house. And even Chris Stapleton couldn't do it. So who are we to think yeah. that we can survive? If, if, if someone that manly looking Dude. could not navigate this weather. Then we need to stay indoors. I, I'm going to be, yeah, hanging out at home. That's exactly right. So being from Michigan, though, have you been like, I don't know if you're a sports guy at all, but have you been weeping tears of joy when the Detroit Lions win a playoff game like one of my collaborators aj is from uh michigan and he's just like his family's just like beside themselves like they're cheering and high-fiving and calling relatives yeah. has that been your family story lately or no so honestly not really like my my family's sport history is basically you know me growing up uh was when every single you know, the last, the last like good thing I remember is like the 2004 Pistons. Oh, and, uh, like, you know, so then like there was that long stretch where basically every Michigan team barring the Red Wings were terrible. Yeah. And I like distinctly remember a moment where my dad, who's a big baseball fan got like, he like, was very self-aware like realizes like my day is like disproportionately affected by the tigers <laughs> and i'm just gonna stop so he, oh. so he just stopped so like growing up i you know my dad like was like willfully like it was a choice for his own uh happiness to not watch michigan sports and so I, I'm by the time that the Lions are, you know, able to be celebrated, I've I've never You've, been paying attention. You're disconnected. Yeah. Well, you know, even even being disconnected, you can celebrate, you know, a little yeah. bit of Tom Petty. Even the losers get lucky sometimes. <laughs> right. It does feel lucky. Do you get back to Michigan but. often? Um, Not as much as I'd like to. Um, it's been cool. Uh I feel like touring has taken me, you know, home more than I would typically go. And 
it's always been a really awesome reception when we play in Grand Rapids, which has been cool. So Grand Rapids is a great city here. too. Yeah, it's awesome. So touring's been able to yeah, you're able to get back a little bit. Um, that's how it is for me in Chicago. It's like I I only get back when I'm playing a show in that area, but um totally. it's always a warm reception. The day that it's not a warm reception, then I know I've been gone too long, right? <laughs> right. How long have you lived in Nashville, yeah. Chris? I've been in Nashville uh it's uh coming up on nine years. Okay. Yeah. And um your I said this before we started recording our interview, but my new favorite artist is Chris Renzema and and I have to I'm just gonna shower you with a little bit of praise this morning. Just deal with it. Um my daughter just turned 18. That's how old I am. Um but so we like music is our that's one of our connecting points, right? And um, and so I'm all, she's always turning me on to like great music and you know vice. And then I'll I'll say, oh, have you heard this? She's like, yeah, Dad, I heard that like six years ago, whatever. <laughs> but uh, yeah. I was sending her links to your music this morning, and uh, I I sent her the song Seventeen that you wrote. Oh my yeah. gosh, unbelievable! And then and she she just texted me back. He is so good. And then she said that they actually sing your song, um, the one you did with uh, Ellie Holcomb. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, what's the title? Just uh, as good. Just as good. They lead. Uh, they have a youth group that meets at this house in Nashville, and it's just it's the most powerful worship experience. But she said they've been singing that in worship, so she's a huge fan as well. So, um, awesome. so there you go. You know, the West family's listening to some Chris Renzema and. Uh, it's feeding our souls. I want to talk about like your story. What was it because there were no sports on in, in the house that you just thought, well, I'm just going to become a musician. Let's talk about what, let's talk about you picking up your guitar for the first time. There's a part of me that wants to guess you're a preacher's kid. When I read your lyrics, is that, <laughs> is that right or no? I'm, I am not. Okay. Uh, but I am, um, I am the the kid of some very, uh, I would say, spiritually inquisitive people. Hmm. So I feel like uh, I don't know at this point for the amount of books that my dad reads, he might could probably audit some seminary or something. But um, no, wasn't wasn't raised a preacher's kid. But a, a Christian home. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was uh it was kind of a um like mixed experience growing up. Um my family was sort of uh my parents were kind of rediscovering church right around when my sister and I, I have one older sister, uh right around when they had us. And so like, you know, when I was really small, we were part of like a Pentecostal church in Mississippi and then you know it for reasons stopped being a part of that moved up to Michigan and then we were part of you know a really traditional like robes and stuff oh wow church for a while and then like by the time I was in high school I got invited to a youth group and uh it kind of was my introduction to any form of that kind of non-denom you can just wear a sweatshirt and you know, kind of thing. So, um, 
yeah, a lot of different angles kind of from, from early on. Was the youth group uh, a pivotal time for you, like faith-wise? Like, did you get plugged in or did you get uh, turned off? Uh, no, I, I got pretty plugged in. That was, and that was sort of when I started picking up music too. I think, you know, got invited to this youth group and, you know, up to that point, church for me, like I didn't really remember the more, you know, charismatic stuff that my family was a part of early on and they had kind of left that space for a while and you know so church to me and and god to me at that point was you know the reverend has like a sash on and there's the whole it's very it felt very formal and so walk into this youth group and there's a dude with an electric guitar and i was like that's pretty cool nice i like that so uh yeah i got i got i got pretty plugged in and um, you know, growing up in a relatively small town, you, you have the ability to be, uh, you know, know three chords and they'll, they'll put you on the worship team. So, yeah. So you started learning to play guitar. You're next thing you know, you're, you're, uh, leading worship with that youth group. And, uh, that's the, um, I mean, that, I feel like that's a story of a lot of us, like music being such an integral part of church if you grew up in church um totally and yet every song i've heard from you is the exact opposite of the norm and mm -hmm. um and by the norm i mean like maybe the typical song not trying to be negative about it because every type of music has its place right but like it was it seems opposite of the the three chord worship song you you're paving yeah. a new road in a big way. Like, I feel like you're, I feel like you're Zach Bryan before Zach Bryan. And I don't take that as like, I, if you hate Zach Bryan, please don't take that. But it's like, I'm listening to your music. I, I have to say this too. I feel like when I listen to your songs, I get like lulled in at the beginning to thinking, okay, like, okay, acoustic singer songwriter. And then these songs blow up into these, like these huge orchestral moments. And it's like, and then I start to go, oh, I could see this like blow up live. I want to see that live, which then leads me to think, I bet his live show is just a powerful worship experience and unlike anything else. And which, you know, you just finished a 30 city tour in the fall. You're launching a 30 city tour in the spring, which is going to close at uh, the Ryman Auditorium. How cool is that? You sold out yeah, the Ryman yeah. Auditorium once before, I've heard, right? Yeah. Uh, last like, I guess, like a year and change ago. So really stoked to be back. So the the songwriter in you, like when you, so you pick up the guitar, you start writing songs or maybe leading worship in youth group, maybe mostly playing other people's songs probably. And then there's that moment, that awakening where you're like, what if I could, what if I could say what I want to say in a song instead of just singing other people's songs, right? Is that is that a moment that happens for you? And then you're deciding how do I want to say it? What has led you on this path? Like, was there always this, do you have songs in your early catalog as a youth group kid that are, you know, uh, Lord, I lift your name on high or whatever the song you were, whatever you, what, what was the song that was popular that you were leading worship with in your youth group? Let's just put it that way. And then I'll know how old yeah. you are. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think the first song I ever 
lead was how he loves. Oh, so, which that's yeah. not very like that's one of the more alt worship yeah. songs out yeah. there, right? Slo- sure. Sloppy wet yeah, kiss, I, I believe, is one of the lyrics. <laughs> oh yeah, and that was it was pre it was pre David Crowder. Uh, it was John Mark so McMillan, right? He yeah, wrote that. I think I heard it because of like a Kim Walker version. And then it was like, you know, that was back. Like, I'm not that old, but I'm definitely, I'm, you know, like discovering music when I was a kid was like early iTunes store. So it was like, okay, like this person did this song and I'm going to like go to their related artists and try to find this thing and listen to like 30 seconds of a song and be like, okay, I think I like this enough to spend a dollar on it to see if I like all three minutes of it. Wow. And so, you know, it was, it was, uh, heard some songs like that and like pretty quickly found folks like John Mark McMillan and okay. some of the more, um, yeah, just kind of like off the path type of Christian music. Cause I definitely was not steeped in like Christian, uh, really much Christian media like at all. Right. So as far as music goes, like I didn't even really know there was Christian music until I was like a youth group that was singing these songs. So I was already very stoked about music. Then I was like, okay, but then there's worship music, then there's radio music. So it was all happening at once. So who were some of the favorites? John Mark? McMillan and and anyone else like who who is it that made you go I want to do that was there any one uh, artist I mean I will say John Mark was a big one because I feel like that was when he had his first album out and it was like you know really kind of challenging lyrical things and and very like interesting metaphors I'd never heard and really pushed past the kind of praise and worship thing. And uh, I feel like him and I think like I had a, a um, like a youth pastor who was a big like David Crowder band yeah. guy. And so I wasn't as much in, into that whole world, but definitely from just like a musicality standpoint, they would yeah. do so many really boundary pushing things that were really exciting. Mm-hmm just to like hear as a music fan. Yeah. Because by and large, I was listening to, you know, like emo music. Right. And like, uh, you know, alt stuff. And so, um, yeah, like those little inroads to like spiritual, like spiritually centered lyricism, but like in an interesting musical format where kind of like they felt very precious I only had like a few that I was, that I had found. So did you ever, were you ever leaning like speaking of like spiritually, spiritually centered lyrics? Like, was that just early on something that you felt like this is my mission in life? Like, or did you ever, as you're listening to emo, as you're listening to all genres of music, it feels like some artists will say, I feel like it chose me. And you know what I mean? Like, I don't know. It's like, I don't know early on in my career, I don't know that I ever was like thinking about a genre. I was just writing what I needed to write. And it wound up having 
you know, it was it was being driven by my faith, which was the driving force of my life. And I just didn't never separated the two. And then a genre got placed to it. Is that totally. is that kind of what it was for you? Or was there like a pivotal moment where you're like, I think I don't want to write. A, I want to write about my faith, which is the most meaningful part of my life. I don't want to just write about that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, it's a great question. I, I do feel like it kind of is just always was sort of the bent I was on, you know, because when you talk about like uh, when you ask the question of like, what was the Lord, I lift your name on high or whatever. <laughs> at first, I thought you were asking like some of the first stuff that I had written and like, you know, there's some hard drive somewhere of all of my terrible high school songs. Which yes. I don't know if it was as much spiritual as they were like, uh, you know, oh boy, look at all those feelings, you yeah. know, like very, uh, well, cause I was thinking so like, of like, what's his name? Um, the guy, uh, now I'm drawing a blank on, um, oh man, uh, out of the, um, oh, this is terrible. I'm, I'm drawing a blank on, he's one of the most like avant-garde music makers in the last 10 years that was like done Christian, like sort of Christian music, but then broke off. But he wrote, but he also, and he always would bash like Christian music. Yeah, do, yeah. do you know who I'm talking about? Glasses, curly hair. I follow you, him on. Like Gunger? Gunger. That's <laughs> Okay, because Gunger has always had this like super exper experimental music, but then like yeah. if you look at his catalog, he wrote I am a friend of God, I am a friend of God, I am a friend of God, he calls me friend. Yeah. <laughs> do you know that? That's a fact. But he would always yeah, like yeah. make fun of like Christian anyways, but do you have an I am a friend of God on that hard drive? <laughs> I so uh and the and the beauty is, I think that hard drive is is long in the trash, so you can't hold this. Uh, you can't find out if it's true or not. But I'm pretty sure I don't. No, okay. Because I think I think being really like kind of steeped in like more of that like because because Grand Rapids uh, and a lot of you know I don't I don't exactly know the Chicago scene, but like a lot of those Midwest cities have a have a big like hardcore music emo music kind of culture. And so I would say probably one of the most formative songs to me that I, I think maybe pushed, I wouldn't say pushed me into doing it, but felt like licensure mm. to talk about God in a meaningful way. It was actually, I don't know if you, uh, there's this band called brand new. Have you ever heard of them? Mm, I don't think so. They, uh, so they're I, they're not a, a Christian band at all. I think they're actually probably like you can I, like against. I don't know. Right, like, right, right. Not, it's a and they have this song called Jesus Christ, which is like just this beautiful, devastating song about just asking questions, you know, and and feeling um, unworthy of you know this person that is Jesus. And it's, and it's so, you know, because it's not like written by a Christian, it, it like it's left with this kind of horrible, um, like ache, you know, at the end. Yeah. And it felt when I heard that song, it was like, wow, like I feel those feelings, but I have hope in, 
Jesus. And, you know, to feel seen in a song like that, but mm. actually also believe that, like, you are found and, you know, held by God um, yeah, is not, really powerful. Not stopping at the hopeless place, but, like, the but but buying into the redemptive part of the story that's to come i feel like there's I, i've said it a lot like i feel like sometimes the most like the sometimes the songs that point me to jesus the most are not in that category of christian music like there's just you know i, I remember i wrote a song one day with with this famous country songwriter and mm-hmm. and i we were just talking about what drives us and and I'll just remember, it's like good old boy. He's like, you know, I write songs, you know, from the perspective of somebody who, you know, drinks a little too much, smokes a little too much, probably looks at women a little too much, but he knows he needs Jesus because that's just who I am. And I was just like, uh, we better write that song. You know what I mean? But it was like, there was just a, uh, there, there was just an honest, like there was a, there was no veil. You know what I mean? It was just like, and honest about the brokenness and honest about the need. You know what I mean? And sometimes when I feel like you'll hear songs like that, that feel like they read your mail a little bit. Speaking of reading mail, I want to read some of your lyrics. The song 17, I sent this to my daughter. She just turned 18 and I just, I was listening to these lyrics. Here I am confessing again. I know I've let you down. I've said it a thousand times. Never again starts now. That's beautiful. I've slept through so many days. I wasted so much time. Can't solve it with a song. Can't fix it with a rhyme. So I'll try to be honest with myself again. But I can feel just so uncomfortable in my skin. No, you told me that you loved me, but I don't remember when. There, this this part here says, uh, I love this part. Feel like I was so much wiser when I was 17. Saw the world in just two shades. Didn't stand in the in-between. If the man I was back then saw who I am right now, wonder if he'd be disappointed in how he would turn out. I don't even have a question to that. I just like, (laughs) I just think that's like how many people have thought to themselves, like, you know, look, look who I've become from who I was like started out with so much promise or before I made a million mistakes or whatever it is. Tell me, tell me what you're, what you're thinking when you're writing those song when you're writing those lyrics like uh yeah. tell tell me what goes through your mind even when you hear me read it back to you yeah man i i mean that's that's been an interesting song because uh and sometimes i'll say this uh live if i'm feeling talkative or <laughs> whatever but uh you know I, I think i wrote that song when i was 20 maybe 21 and, you know, had like a little bit of perspective on when I was 17. And now I'm 28. And what I kind of tell people is like 17 is really just, you know, when you're listening to that song, just put whatever age you were in three to four years ago. And that's what it is. That's good. Because I feel like what I've seen as time has gone by, you know, that the whole kind of thrust of those lyrics is that, you know, I I have this kind of misconstrued idea that I should be getting better all the time, you know, and that, and that growth is, is a, you know, trajectory like this instead of a trajectory like this. Yeah. Right. And, 
sorry, for the podcast. <laughs> he was around. doing hand motions. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, and, and the kind of realization that we have this like naivety looking, but you know, looking forward that when we have hindsight, it's like, Oh man, like I'm not what I thought I would be. Yeah. But I also, you know, didn't, I'm, I need to have grace for myself as I continue on because, you know, when I was 21, I thought my 17-year-old self had it on lock and my 21-year-old self was a mess. When I was 25, I thought my 21-year-old self was was a killer and I was a mess then. And now I'm 28 and I'm like, oh, what 25-year-old me just like had it, you know, knew it. Yeah. But like you see the lunacy of all that and the fact that, you know, if the Lord extends grace to us in the present, like we need to do that as well. So that's kind of the well, and, and no, I think that's beautiful, and I I love you know what you were saying about even just that one song that you heard called Jesus Christ that like was so real and resonated with you, and then but yet then maybe lacked that redemption part of the story. This song seventeen comes back with with what you hear God saying to you. It's just, but I hear you say, child, stop listening to yourself so much. I've made you more than worthy of my love. You are fearfully and wonderfully made, and that's enough. Oh, child, if you could see yourself the way that I do, you'd see I'm, I made you in my image and my work's not through. Oh, we'll dance on this disappointment in a world made new. I mean, that, that's... That's the redemption part of the story. And I love that line about dancing on this on this disappointment. So is that one that goes in the set most nights when you're on tour? Or did I just randomly pick up? No, uh, yeah. No, that one is... Uh, I tried to take it out of the set, actually, because I've been playing it for, like... Uh, it was, I think that was the first song that I wrote for my... This is convoluted, but it was like the first song I wrote for my second record. So there was this whole kind of period of time where I was touring my first record and I only had, you know, like 11 songs total. So I would play that song. So I think I've been playing that song every night since like 2019 or something. Yeah, so you kind of get bored with like, it. Oh, I'll shelve it for a little while. And I think I, I on Instagram or something, I released the set list and people were like, what are you doing? Put that back in or we'll freak out. So the people had yeah. spoken, huh? Yeah. What's it been like seeing more and more people coming out to your shows? And what does it feel like to know that like your songs, you know, if people are listening to my podcast, a lot of them are probably like, you know, maybe regulars to contemporary Christian radio or something like that. Right. A lot of my career has been different where like a lot of my songs find their way on Christian radio, which is how a lot of people will find my music, right? Your music, like crowds are coming. And, and obviously this is the change of the music landscape is a beautiful thing that people can, dis yeah. the people's means of discovery can be all different sorts of ways. But yet like in Christian music, it's still been slower for artists to break by a means other than Christian radio, right? You'll totally. see you'll see rap or hip hop artists or pop artists or indie artists break via streaming without any radio at all. But in CCM, that's always more of a challenge. And you're not CCM, so I'm not putting you in that category. But faith driven music, for lack of a better yeah, term, yeah. today, 
you're, you know, people are discovering your music by means other than Christian radio and they're showing up at your concerts and they're pumped and they're singing every word and they're mad at you when a song like 17, which was never even on the radio, it's not like a hit song in the, in the yeah. traditional means, they want you to play that song. What has that felt like to see the crowds growing and to see them coming and singing every word of these songs that they didn't learn from the radio? Yeah, man. I, I mean, it's a huge honor. I think like it's been a really crazy journey because like you're saying, it's, um, you know, for the kind of niche genre space, there isn't really like a roadmap of exactly how you're to do it. Cause I think, you know, a lot of, you know, the large heading Christian music can boil down to, uh, you know, like worship music, which has like a very specific lane and then uh, maybe like CCM, which traditionally has been more of a radio medium um, and like, you know, uh, kind of, it works like more other popular genres. Then there's this kind of like weird little gap that I think is growing, like you're saying with like hip hop and all this kind of different genres, whatever my genre is, um, it's kind of in between those things. And so there's kind of like a, it feels very case by case as to how it kind of connects with people and, and how it grows. And um, I think early on for me, especially growing up as someone who was um, not super familiar with like Christian radio or Christian music or even worship music um, until I was a good bit older, um, you know, I, I think I went into my kind of artist path with mostly looking at like, uh, you know, other, other bands, you know, yeah. like these emo bands and stuff. And it's like, well, they go to, they just go to the ratty little club and they, they just play the show, the show and yeah. people come then sweet. And so that was kind of the like thing that I started out doing. And it was definitely weird because it's like, like we're a rock band that's talking about Jesus Christ and half, you know, I have a, I might be getting off topic, but no, like, that's it. what I want to hear of like playing a show in uh, Boston back like a couple years ago. And it was like, you know, this little, like maybe 150 people that are there and it's, you know, it's just like a little rock club and the, the guys like working the door were like so mad that we were Christians. They and they, you know, kind of loudly uh, saying some pretty with some pretty colorful language. Mm. Uh, you know how they felt about uh, our music, and you know, so you feel that like, oh man, like it sucks to not, you know. I just like I love music, and I and I wish that it could just exist. Yeah, uh, you know where music exists and. That's how I, you know, kind of committed to doing it. And so there's this sort of moment of like, oh, this kind of sucks. And then what was funny and what I think is kind of maybe the purpose of the story is so we were playing this little rock club. Sorry, this is such a tangent. No, I want this. You got to finish this. <laughs> uh, we were playing this little club and next door was a uh, Harvard like frat party nice. was like about to start. And, you know, it's like. 
three feet of snow we're playing in, I think it was December, like early December. And um, like, we're trying to load out at the end of the night and we have to load out through the frat party line. Nice. And there's all these kind of uh, heavily intoxicated college kids who are thinking that we are the club they're trying to get into, even though we're not. (laughs) And so then they're like, trying to like run in the door and like it became this thing where like we as the band and the door guys of the club ended up like banding together to like (laughs) get these harvard guys back out and like by the end of the night you know they're like dapping us up and they're like see you guys you know so it's this it's just this funny thing where it's like um i just love moments like that because you know as soon as they actually kind of drop the pretense and we're just humans together. It's actually a really cool space to be able to share, Yeah, you know, share music. And I think in a very roundabout way to say, um, you know, kind of the growth of these shows has always kind of just been like that, where it's like kind of from. That's beautiful. Yeah. Five people showing up to a hundred people showing up and trying to just be, you know, really just be there. Like if the, if the music is, honest and it's connecting and we do that you know at every kind of level um you know my hope and prayer every time we play is that it feels like we really got to worship together and pray together and cry together and just like share some time and i I think that's allowed this kind of organic growth which has been really cool so are most of your shows outside of the walls of a church or is it um, a, a blend? Yeah. No, uh, not because I, I very much love the church, but there was sort of this um, kind of in in just the last, I've only been really touring since 2019. And I think uh, for whatever reason, we just started playing these clubs and then, you know, sticking to that. And uh, I don't, I don't think I've played in a church for like a public event probably since 2019, wow. I would say. So it's been a while. The um, I love the organic nature, like the way that's grown. And I, it's funny, I wrote um, in my last book, I wrote about a show back early in my career. It was like the same mentality. I would play college before I got a record deal. I was playing college campuses everywhere. And then like, a church youth group would bring me in and then I'd sing more on a Sunday morning. It was just like, wherever I was going, wherever I, you know, the answer was always yes. Right. And just, you know, I I wrote a story about getting paid 40 bucks to open for this metal band at a biker bar in Decatur, Illinois. And, you know, and just, but it's so funny how we can, you, sometimes you just, where your career leads, you can like lead you to the safety of, of different venues. But then when you look back and you realize some of those like scarier moments or those, unconventional moments were the moments where not only did you feel alive, but you were, you were put in contact with people that you had a chance, like those bouncers at that club in Boston, like you're where you were supposed to be to make an impact that only you could make. That's a, that's a pretty awesome thing. How do you push against, well, I'm going to assume that there's people who have come across you in the music industry and maybe pressured you to, um, create something that's more mainstream at certain points has that is that a safe assumption that that's happened at least once or twice and if so 
how have you maintained your like artistic integrity and direction um even when there's a pressure uh if there is to to reach a broader audience for whatever that means yeah absolutely that's another you're good at this podcasting that's another well thank you very much (laughs) Uh, (laughs) he he just fist bumped fist bumped me Sorry, I, I keep, I can see him for you listening. No, that's good. We'll put this on video too, so that people will get to okay. see the uh, the fist bump. <laughs> yeah, on YouTube. Um, yeah, I definitely have had those times. I think there were a lot of moments, kind of early into my time in Nashville, where yeah, it was kind of this, and you know, not not. Don't I probably have to get that specific, but like, sure, kind of, you, you get sold this idea or pitched to be sold this idea that if you just change this and this and this, you know, then you could really be X, Y, or Z. And I think what, and honestly, I'll I'll just say like chalk it up to the provision of the Lord. Um, because I think, you know, those are very tempting offers when, when someone says, if you just, you know, tweak this or that. But I think for me, it's always been, I get so, because uh, I, I produce a lot of my own music as well. So I'm so like often overly hands-on with the process to the point where I'm losing my mind and driving people crazy. <laughs> and, uh, you know, just being a, a menace to myself. Um, and so like, you know, very early on the idea of, you know, giving somebody else, you know, too much creative vision or license into like what I had to sing and do every night. Um, it just felt so uncomfortable that like, I kind of, you know, had this natural inclination to avoid it. And I think I've been really lucky that kind of the way that my career has unfolded is a lot of times I'm, I'm super, um, I can be super impatient. So like the idea of moving to town, I think, you know, move to music city, you got people saying, you know, you should, you should get a record deal. You should do this stuff. And I was always, you know, also coming from the perspective that I'm like, I didn't, I barely knew that there was such a thing as like a Christian record deal. You know, I was like, I don't, it, I, that's how out of touch I was, I guess. So I was just like, I'm just going to make a record. Yeah. So I, you know, like working jobs, paying to make a record. And by the time I even got approached by a record label, I was like, oh, I have this record done. And I remember that one of the, some of the folks from the, the couple different groups that were talking to me were like, okay, like, like. Hit, whoa, hold up, uh, hit the brakes. I'd love to hear that. And I'm like, oh, I mean, I already up, I already uploaded it to <laughs> TuneCore, so I can't, can't take it off of that. Amazing. And, and so basically just, you know. They're like heads exploded. A lot of people, yeah, a lot of people would have been like, that's very dumb. But I just did it. And I think having some kind of independent stamp from the beginning yeah. helped maintain that kind of throughout. Uh, yeah. 
my time working with other partners and stuff like that. Well, and don't don't change that. There's so many young artists who, like, uh, you know, I I work with a lot of different young artists too, and I feel like a lot of times they just feel this pressure to be pushed into this one little funnel and. And it may not be the funnel that they need to go through. You know, there's a lane for everything. But I mean, um, I, I want to fast forward to the latest record you've put out, Mana Part One, and yeah, yeah. very soon the rest of that record. So Part Two, which will complete the album Mana, is coming out March 13. Um, but people need mm-hmm. to get prepped by listening to Part One, which is what I've done, and just some more unbelievable lyrics and pieces of music that uh, starting with the very first song, Not Giving Up On You, I mean, this profession of faith. I heard faith's gone out of fashion, at least according to my old friends. Guess I've never been wanting keep up to keep up uh, with the modern trends because maybe I'm out of style, whether or not that's true. When I look at the stars, all I see is you. I've heard Christ is a crutch that messed up people use to make it through life when nothing else will do. Well, maybe I'm broken, but I'm not ashamed to say that I need someone to come save me. I mean, awesome, awesome. And the, the music is just as powerful as the lyrics. I know I'm not doing it justice when I read those lyrics apart from the music, but just apart from the music, they're worth reading. And that's the way I'm like, I'm a lyric guy. So I want to, I'm hearing yeah. it, but I want to go read it too. Uh, the, the lyric I want to focus on, and then I want to let you just share the heartbeat behind Mana. Uh, so that people can get pumped and really understand where the artist is coming from. The song Holy Ghost. There was a pop-up revival on the edge of town. People came from miles to see what was going down. They said the Holy Ghost would knock you to the ground, and I wanted to feel God reaching out. So when it came my turn, the preacher took me by the shoulder, put his hand on my chest, tried to knock me over. And I swear I believed, but I didn't lock my knees. Was the only one left standing wondering what was wrong with me. I had a moment as a kid at a preacher's kid camp, uh, Chris, where they were talking about speaking in tongues and it was like everybody was like doing it. And I was just I I felt like I wasn't a Christian because it wasn't happening to me. And when I I just I I just related so much with what you wrote there. But you go on to talk about how you're again, you're not giving up. You still believe in the, you know, in the, in the, in the, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, even though you've uh, been skeptical in nature, is what you said. So let's talk about manna and Holy Ghost and what your heartbeat is. There is there a major theme underneath that album, manna, that every song kind of falls into. Yeah, man. Uh, yeah, this this record is kind of um, ended up being, you know, I'm always I'm always uh, jealous of people who can write concept albums because I'm like, oh, that's so cool. So I'm always like hoping that I can just do that naturally because I can't like focus well enough to like actually be sure. like, I need a song about this. Yeah, but this is probably the closest to a concept album that I've actually ever landed on which because it does feel like every song does come back to pretty much this idea of faith in the desert Mm. kind of thing. Um, It's, you know, if you go through the songs, there's kind of this very consistent reference to the Exodus story and this idea of, you know, a miracle like, I mean, manna is this, it's the bread of heaven given to the people of God in the wilderness. And you, you say that and it's like, well, that's 
astounding and miraculous. And but then the rest of the story is that they 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 ate that for 40 years and then they tacked on another 40 years. And you gotta think, you know, if you're just a a, a guy <laughs> living in the wilderness, then you go out and you get manna every day. And let's say it's year 20, uh, 28, because I'm 28. It's year 28 of 80. And, you know, I've got to imagine that manna did not sound that exciting anymore. Right. You know, it's it's the literal bread of heaven, the miracle provision of God, but it's mundane by that point. Mm -hmm. And I think this journey of faith that... I've been on personally, and I think I've seen a lot of people, you know, kind of in my age bracket, kind of, you know, it's sort of been the last couple of years of watching most of my dear friends leave the church, mm. leave the faith, and being like, I'm kind of standing here being like, what's going on? Like, what? A, why am I still here? Mm. You know, if, apparently this whole thing is, you know, uh, if it's so, if it seems like this is the trend, everyone, you know, kind of walking away. And, and I think it is that thing that, that song Holy Ghost uh, lands on is, you know, I've, I can be cynical, I can be skeptical, and I can be disappointed and maybe have completely forgotten what it feels like to see the deliverance of the Lord, you know, like that. I mean, it's, it's why, Right. Uh, the whole Torah is just remember, O Israel, what the Lord your God has done for you over and over and over again. And it's like, maybe I've forgotten that. And a lot of times I do feel like I've forgotten that. Mm. But that's where it comes to the fact that if it was up to me to hold on to Jesus, I'm, you know, I don't have the grip. Tried to be a rock climber, gave up. Uh, but he has the grip, you know? So like, him holding on to me is, is the only explanation I can say that makes any sense of continuing when it's can feel so punishing to keep going. Yeah. And isolating. And that's really, yeah. So that's, that's really what, if you listen through mana, that's part awesome. one and then eventually the, the whole record, it's kind of this whole concept of this is a narrow road. It is a, an often lonely path, but it is, a path with Jesus and that's worth it. You know, I can't encourage anybody listening to this. Uh, I, I can't encourage you enough that the minute this interview's over, like go give man a part one, a listen and get ready for the rest of it. And I think concept record, whether you uh, think you accomplished it or not, I can feel it. Like I always feel like there's, you know, when you land on an album title, I always call that like the umbrella statement. And then somehow, some way, whether it's your orchestration or even in your ADD, if you're if you think you're all over the place, there's there's still it's being woven together um, by what God's inspiring you to write. And it's happening with songs like Hereditary that are on. I mean, go listen to part one. I can't wait to hear part two. And uh, it, I feel like there's just I, I put it on in the morning as getting ready to read my Bible. I'm just and I'm just I'm all in my feelings and I'm thinking about my life and, and uh, I'm thinking about that. Just listen to that song, Holy Ghost, and being brought back to that memory of when I was a kid and like feeling guilty. And maybe do I still feel some of that guilt as a child of like, 
was I not close yeah. enough to God? Like, was I not spiritual enough? And so you're exploring a lot of those things. But just like you talked about at the beginning of our time, Chris, like the redemption part, the fact that I still believe, and I love what you just closed with about that. If it's up to us to hold on to God, then we're hopeless. We're going to let go just like a failed rock climber. But to realize that he's the one with the grip, man, like that is powerful. And that manna keeps coming and that bread of heaven and his provision. And so it is important to listen. When we listen to your songs, we can be reminded that God is faithful, even when like your lyrics in uh, Holy Ghost talk about, you know, another fall from grace from a mega pastor. There's these different like, you know, dents in the armor that, that kind of wear us down and another friend walks away from the faith and another a battle with an illness or whatever it is that's making us wonder like, should I still hold on? Am I still holding on? Am I close? And then to realize that he's holding on to us, he's providing and he won't let go. So, um, man, I can't thank you enough for the music that you're writing, the way that it's speaking to me. And I just wanted people listening to this podcast to hear it. They can come see you on tour this spring on, uh, is it the mana tour? Uh, yes. Yeah. And, uh, tickets at your website. Yes, sir. Chris Renzema.com. Oh, yeah. Ask your doctor if Renzema is right for you. <laughs> <laughs> hey, man, I'm, I'm just uh, thanks for letting me hang with you for so long and letting me pick your brain about songwriting and faith. And uh, if nothing else, man, I hope you just be encouraged today that your music speaks and it's powerful, it's honest, it's real, and it's redemptive, and uh, it's impacting people's lives, even in the West House. Come on, man, I really appreciate it. This has been awesome. Thanks, Chris. He's my dad. He gives good advice most of the time. <laughs> He's got his own segment on the show called Dad Vice. Can we play his theme song real quick? He is my dad and he gives good advice. And that's why this segment is called Dad Vice. Dad, welcome. Thank you. Thank you. It's good to good to be doing this. It's a new year. Yeah. I'm doing some remodeling in the storyhouse. Can the cameras see the the blank walls? Asa, uh, who's producing this, can oh, can they see that? Oh, I was just asking. I didn't mean for you to show them. <laughs> anyway, we're we're doing yeah, we're doing new yeah. plaques, new yeah, stuff up. Yeah. You know, kind of. Anyways, I was just. <laughs> Dad, what do you got for us today? Hey, send well, us out with a bang. Yeah, and it, it it would be a sin if I didn't start with a dad joke. Uh, you know, in that's New what, Year twenty twenty four. So, what, uh, what is a New Year's resolution? The answer is something that goes in one year and out the other. Wow. Year, year, get it? That was good. All right. You're, well, you're starting off strong. All right, good. Um, we're going to uh, be sharing on uh, your new song and the theme of our um, spring tour starting at the end of February. Um, and so we're going to just go on that, and it's called Don't Stop Praying. Yeah. And the Lord is really using uh, that song. So we're going to start with Don't Stop Praying, White as Snow. Um, here's some of the lyrics. He's close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. The Alpha and Omega knows how your story ends. And what I like about your songs, Matthew, I've said before, they're just loaded with Scripture, Psalm 34, 18, and Revelation 22, 13. And it's the living word that penetrates and changes lives. So thank you for uh, presenting God's word through music. Uh, we've had a record snowfall here in, 
in Nashville. Yeah. And uh, it's coming, um, you know, coming from the Chicago area, this is nothing. But to people in Nashville, mm-hmm. uh, it's, it's a big deal. And this is about the most snow. We've lived in Nashville now going on 12 years. And uh, I think this is the most snow that we've, we've ever had. But there's a, a spiritual element from snow. And Isaiah 118 says, come now, let's settle this, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, I will make them white as snow. That verse is describing what it's like to be forgiven, to have a second chance to start over. So here are a few things to start us out with about praying in the area of forgiveness. One, Ask God to search our hearts. A great prayer. Psalm 139, 23 and 24. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and see if there is any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. This is a prayer that we need to probably pray daily because we're prone to wander. We're prone to sin. And uh, so we ask God to search our hearts. Secondly, ask for forgiveness, and he'll cover your sins and make them whiter than snow. Psalm 51, 7, cleanse me with hyssop and I will be clean. Wash me and I will be whiter than snow. There's something about that saying and phrase in scripture that's powerful. Here's a good quote. Just like the fresh fallen snow covers everything, so does the blood of Jesus. When he forgives us, it's like a blanket of snow covers our sins, failures, and shortcomings. And we need to be reminded of this daily also. And then thirdly, don't stop praying. We're not perfect. Nobody is. Praying forgiveness is not a one and done. My dad's advice for today is to ask God to search your heart and then ask forgiveness. Allow him to cleanse your heart and make it white as snow. That's good, dad. Yeah. Um, I hope next week's is not about Yellow snow. <laughs> yes. Well, I was told never to drink the yellow snow. <laughs> or eat it. Eat it. Drink, yeah. eat, drink it, uh, eat it. We should have quit while we're ahead. <laughs> yes. Thanks, Dad. All right. Hey, that's our show for today. I want to thank my guest, Chris Renzema, for joining me. Be sure to check him out on his spring tour, as well as my spring tour. Uh, separate tours. It would be cool if we were together. But um, And you can go uh, listen to his music. His brand-new album, Mana, is coming out. The second half of it is coming out March 13th. But uh, the first half is a must-listen. Go check it out. also want to thank my dad for joining me, and I want to thank you for listening. Thanks for watching. If you're watching on YouTube, uh, be sure to, like, tell friends about the podcast if it's speaking to you and if it's you know been a good part of your day hopefully it's an encouragement to you a reminder that god loves you he has a plan for your life um there is power when you pray when you talk to him he hears you just like dad was encouraging today so um remember you get one shot at this life so make the most of it it's your story for his glory and i'll see you next week